Well, I would say that my my favorite conversation with Maynard Jackson was um, a really small moment, uh, a personal moment that happened in the summer of 1960. And it was all about his grandfather. You know, we're talking a lot about the two mayors, but in, in some ways, the most electrifying figure in my book, I think, is John Wesley Dobbs, who was um, a railway mail clerk. Uh, in He was Maynard Jackson's maternal grandfather. And he had six children, all of them daughters. So the Dobbs name, as they say in uh, the South, went to girls. And, and Rene, Irene Dobbs Jackson married Maynard Jackson's father. Okay. So John Wesley Dobbs is a race man to the bone. His life was about racial uplift. His parents had been born into slavery. He was born in 1882 in Kennesaw and came to Atlanta in the 1890s, which is virtually the local equivalent of arriving on the Mayflower. And, and now he, he becomes the grand, the grand master of Georgia's Prince Hall Negro Masons. And he's all about voter registration. He's a voter registration prophet. And he became known as the mayor of Sweet Auburn because he'd be going up and down Auburn Avenue um, speaking, street side oratory. He would quote Francis Bacon and W.E.B. Du Bois and Shakespeare, sometimes all in the same sentence. And for me, he was uh, uh, an electrifying figure. And in this moment, in the summer of 1960, Maynard Jackson told me about a moment where as a 22-year-old, he visited Grandpa Dobbs's hotel room. He was in Boston to give a, a talk, Dobbs was. And Maynard Jackson casually mentioned, you know, are you going to mention uh, or, or use Will, Will, which was a reference to the famous Ella Wheeler Wilcox poem by that name. And Dobbs, you know, sitting on the edge of his bed in this hotel room says, what do you know about that? And uh, Maynard Jackson says, well, I know it's your favorite poem and you asked me to learn it. And Dobbs says, you know, did you? And Maynard Jackson soon is made to, to recite it. Gifts count for nothing. Will alone is great. All things give way before it, soon or late. And he's waving his hands in arcs. You know, the kind of uh, oratory and uh, uh, that we would become familiar with when he became mayor. And what I loved about that moment is that this is a book about family. And Maynard Jackson was so deeply rooted in his family. And Grandpa Dobbs, you know, his his great gift as an orator passed on, you know, to Maynard Jackson, his his grandson. So I love that moment of being with Maynard and seeing him tell that story and and come alive. Welcome to the Atlanta Legacy Makers podcast. I'm Floyd Hall here at the corner of John Wesley Dobbs Avenue and Peachtree Street. This is episode three of the podcast. 
that corresponds to part three of the Gary M. Pomerantz book, where Peachtree meets Sweet Auburn, a saga of race and family. You heard Gary's voice in the open, revealing some backstory on writing this book, and part three of where Peachtree meets Sweet Auburn is entitled New South Capital. And in this episode, we'll get some perspective from actor and artist Danielle Deadweiler on how the notion of New South Capital plays out in this part of the book. However, before we hear from Danielle Deadweiler, I did want to get some Atlanta history perspective on Margaret Mitchell from Marcy Breffel, the education manager at Historic Oakland Foundation. Margaret Mitchell is buried at Oakland Cemetery and she's arguably the most popular resident of Oakland Cemetery. Now in this part of the book, New South Capital, there is a section about the 1939 Gone with the Wind movie premiere in Atlanta and where I'm standing at Peachtree Street and John Wesley Dobbs is very important to how that Gone with the Wind premiere is remembered in Atlanta. The Georgia Pacific building is currently on this site and it is one of the most recognizable buildings in the Atlanta skyline. However, back in 1939, this was the site of the Lowe's Grand Theater, the venue for the Gone with the Wind premiere that we learned about in Where Peachtree Meets Sweet Auburn. And Marcy shares how the cemetery approaches Margaret Mitchell's history, as well as that of Gone with the Wind. Marcy Breffel, Education Manager for Historic Oakland Foundation. Uh, glad to have some time with you today to revisit one of the most prominent, if you will, Oakland Cemetery residents, Margaret Mitchell. Um, this part of the book references the Gone with the Wind movie premiere. I think Margaret Mitchell and Gone with the Wind represent a really important part of Atlanta history in terms of how uh, we saw ourselves, uh, in terms of how we saw history and how that history was recorded and remembered. So if you could say some words about how Margaret Mitchell's legacy is embraced or I guess explained and interpreted at Oakland Cemetery. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. I'm always happy to talk about uh, Oakland history and residents of Oakland. But Margaret Mitchell, she is widely acknowledged to be the most popular, the most visited person buried at Oakland. People will come from all over the world to visit her resting place and acknowledge the woman who wrote this kind of really epic novel, um, which then later inspired the award-winning film. But Margaret Mitchell, she is she's featured on several tours at Oakland. Uh, she's featured on, we have our kind of our general tour, we have a tour about writers, the Civil War tour, and then of course, our Women of Oakland tour. But we even have a special topic tour that is devoted entirely to Margaret Mitchell and her family and the real life Atlantans who inspired characters in her novel. And uh, Margaret Mitchell, she 
kind of always claimed to be a fifth-generation Atlantan, you know, several generations back, had, you know, arrived when Atlanta was still a found, a, you know, city in its infancy, and she had been here for so many years. She, you know, famously talked about how she had just grown up hearing stories about the Civil War, and that she thought that the war had ended just before she was born, because it kind of occupied such a, it played a big part in her family history and her family was still talking about it. So um, it's really kind of fascinating to hear about how she was inspired to write the book. But the book is, it's definitely complicated. I mean, it features a very strong and resourceful woman, just like Margaret Mitchell, who, a protagonist who rises to financial independence, but she's really flawed. And then, of course, it's, both the book and the film are standard examples of the lost cause interpretation of the Civil War. I mean, you have this uh, romanticizing that pre-Civil War South, and it's really kind of patronizing and the racist treatment of African-American characters in the book um, and in the film. So it's it's a really interesting thing to try and interpret the history, but uh, at Oakland, when we talk about the people who are buried there, we try to provide a comprehensive viewpoint of every single person buried at Oakland. You know, no one is 100% good. No one is 100% bad. We talk, like to talk about how um, that's what makes us human. And I think with Margaret Mitchell, as well as Ivan Allen and Maynard Jackson, you know, we like to provide this very kind of comprehensive stories. Definitely, Margaret Mitchell had a huge impact on the um, the city of Atlanta and, um, you know, and kind of the history here. And I know that, you know, that Gone with the Wind premiere, that was in 1939. I mean, gosh, that people, what I've read about it is that it was the biggest thing basically since the Civil War. And it just was this huge, extravagant um, you know, several days of um, festivities, and it has kind of reached this like near mythic status. But I think it's, you know, it is important to unpack the book and the film and to not only kind of look at, you know, how that history, how people kind of still thought about the Civil War at that time um, and what reactions are, but. Um, it's always it's always kind of an interesting topic, and I, people will continue to come and see Margaret Mitchell and her gravesite. And you know, I think the fans are they call themselves the Windies. If you're a Gone with the Wind fan, you're a Windy. So I'm sure we'll always have Windies coming to visit Margaret Mitchell and other members of her family buried at Oakland. Thank you to Marcy Breffel of Historic Oakland Foundation. Danielle Dedweiler is an actor and interdisciplinary artist, as well as an Atlanta native. She is a recent Artadia Award recipient for her art practice. That's a very big deal. And as far as her acting, she's had featured roles on the HBO hit series Watchmen, as well as on the FX show Atlanta. And in this moment, I get Danielle's response to where Peachtree meets Sweet Auburn 
including her take on what's happening with the families, the Gone with the Wind section, and how the city of Atlanta functions and evolves over time. is, in the spring of 1856, a free person of color named Mary Combs paid $250 for a tract of, tract of land that today is marked precisely where Peachtree meets Sweet Auburn. She sold it six years later for $500 and used the money to emancipate her enslaved husband. An Atlanta pioneer, Mary Combs knew how to make a profit. She also knew about freedom. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I want to jump to the beginning or the big picture just for this part. And considering uh, this part is entitled New South Capital, um, in this part of the book, we get to know uh, the Dobbs family um, and the the Dobbs women or the Dobbs girls at that point, Dobbs women, um, as Spelman women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we get to see, uh, Atlanta as a, uh, as a site of its, you know, of, of its own making when it comes to the Gone with the Wind, uh, movie premiere. But for you as a Spelman woman, um, as an actor, uh, what were some of the things in this part of the book um, that jumped out to you that if you wanted to point our audience to one or two things that they should pay attention to from your perspective or that you just feel are great takeaways, what would you point to? Uh, what segments or just passages or anything like that would you would you highlight um, in this part of the book? Oh, I really found it interesting how the Dobbs' life is correlating to the Allens' lux. And I say lux to, you know, luxury. Um, It's not the same, right? But Black people are aspirant and they are they are taking trips, right? He, He is creating a life for these young women to be to be great as much as he possibly can, um, and I, I I just I just found that really fascinating. The, you know, Irene like legit went. She she was like, I want to go. I'm going to go to France, and she gets this opportunity, and then happens to fall in love with this older man. Who is that? Right. That's that's Scarlett. And Rhett's older, right? That's the same thing. Uh, but she goes, you know, he he wants to marry her, um, and and she, just the access, and 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 this is the 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 beauty of it is the global minded nature of black people at that time. He's taking them to New York. He's giving them culture. They're all learning piano, um, and, and this is a man who is a. a he works at the post office. This is a prominent position, I believe, at the time, and he works for the for, for, yeah for the for, for the railroad post, mm-hmm. post service, right? At that, and then he works for the for the mason, essentially in accounting. So he's 
what do they, what do they say about black folks? You got to work twice as hard. And so he's working twice as hard. These things haven't left us quite yet. These, and, and we're calling attention to it now and saying we're calling BS on it because it's, it's making us legit tired, right? We're having conversations about that, how fatigued we are as a contemporary group of people about these things that we've been practicing for well over 100 years that have been passed down in the legacy. And and so I found the labor to be fascinating, um, and 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 something we're still trying to relinquish. And yet the luxury is still there. It's a privilege for her to, for this kind of a family to have that kind of access, and to be that that global minded. Like we we we've always had that. We've always had that. And so for for. For to to have to see that lineage grow to that is is really um, something really beautiful to hold on to, um, and yet that put me in a threeness. Now this could be just crap, but <laughs> I'm thinking about like we're saying we're constantly talking about Atlanta having a twoness, right? The old Atlanta and the new Atlanta, but there is no. There's only one. It's just a different layer for each for each experience. Um, cause there's something happening when you, when you think about the colorism that's going on, uh, in the city, cause I can't say the colorism in the black community, because if, if we say colorism in the black community, then, then it's a black issue, but that derives from somewhere. So you've got these white people having this experience and then you've got these, you know, these, uh, these prominent black people having an experience. And then you have these, uh, uh, another group having this inexperience because those people are poor in this city. Um, and they're not, and, and black folks in particular who aren't going to have the same advantages because, um, because, because of color, because of a, uh, an adjacent nature to whiteness, and to the values, the value system that has been put on to white folks, um, uh, which I just thought that was really, I mean, just thinking about how we, how we think about the communities that, that are coming and the, the division that we give to the city. But everybody is really in great close proximity to each other. And I've always understood, you know, and, and I have a number of conversations with various people that Atlanta is very different because you have black folks living amongst white folks amongst amongst we live literally around deeply amongst each other invested in community you burn down my community you're probably gonna burn your down too which is different than say like a chicago the level of like stark lines that happen there but I, those things just really stick out in the experience of uh, encountering the dogs in particular I, I wonder about Atlanta as this perpetual new South Capitol. There's always this new, you know, a new, new or a, a, a next new, if you will. Um, and I wonder where that sense comes from. Why is there always this yearning to be the next new thing or to get past the old thing? Um, I think about in current times now, New Atlanta, old Atlanta. Um, we still grapple with that. There's a shame with old, right? 
there's a sh- if you have to incessant like like newness happens every day right not to get too <laughs> metaphysical but mm-hmm. new changes every day right if we think about Octavia Butler parable of the sower right God has changed changes God so change is, is natural these are the that's the law of consequences so if you do this then something's got to happen uh, something happens as a result there's a consequence because of action and so in order to constantly receive more in order to get farther away from what was wrong quote-unquote wrong or quote-unquote shameful or that makes you not as interesting or potentially problematic to uh, northern businesses or to becoming the kind of cultural epicenter that you envision yourself to be getting away from that means making oneself anew so Atlanta is incessantly trying to make a new and there's nothing wrong with being new, but if you do not acknowledge what what your old is, then your old will will your old will call on you, whether you answer them or not. Um, and so that's what I'm that's what I, I I think about when I think about this whole New South capital need and this whole pomp and circumstance and grandeur that Bill Hartsfield is trying to put on. Because in the text, he go it like Pomeranz is like to Hartsfield. This premiere is the biggest thing. This is the biggest thing since the burning of this city. <laughs> like how I don't know if that's like something that if that's Pomeranz's interpretation or it where did he get the notion that like I mean of course Hartsfield's going to try to make this thing. You're mayor. Did you want this to be a thing? You want um, some some value and some um, energy to come to your city, but why this and why dare call it out to be as huge as that? You know, because it's saying this is the ushering in of something that will make the city that will that will transform the city into something marvelous, rather than a transmogrification, right? The 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 the, the burning down. We were made ugly. The premiere, we we're made anew. We we're made brilliant. We are attracting all of the, the the people who make, you know, at the end of the day, make make things sexy, make things sparkly. Um, and at the same time, by no real thing of our own, like, oh, this film happens to be at a time where we were at our greatest. We were uh, mythical heroes at the end of the day. You know, even our women in their selfishness were beautiful and grand and and our men were men and they were heroic and they went out and fought for us. You know, that's what that, that's what that <laughs> I think there's an, a haunting, right? There's a, a haunting quality to um, Southern culture. Um, And it's just, it's in the fabric, it's in the DNA. And they weren't um, made to, I don't know, they burned Atlanta, they didn't burn Georgia, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, so you can't, you, and Atlanta is, or was moving towards being, functioning in some kind of a melting, southern melting pot way as a result of the transportation hub nature of the city. That's, that's, that's what it was doing. 
and all you did was tell the people to move, the people who were originally here, you said, hey, you lost, you got to go, you know, and they took themselves and everything that they retained with them. And then some of them said, no, 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 I'm going to come back. Because then the the rebuilding was almost immediate, um, as the text tells us. It was immediate. 150 stores were back after five months. This wasn't a this 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 wasn't a this wasn't a, a complete and utter reckoning and demolition of Confederate qualities in any regard. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, a haunting that is laced over over the the blue of this <laughs> in the in the red, you know. So, as an Atlantan, and I'm going to brag on you a little bit more. Um, only because it's it's true it's true um as as an atlantan who actually uh was featured in the show atlanta um in the second season and then reading this book and experiencing atlanta from the inside out and then from the outside in all of these layered all of these layered versions of the city um that you that you have in your perspective. Um, how does reading this book further shape or expand or just um, make you consider differently the legacies of these two mayors and the Atlanta that you know or that you thought you knew? <laughs> oh, man. Um... Of course, I'm more aware and more connected to the legacy of Maynard Jackson and being first black mayor and his legacy carrying so much um, weight and value for black prosperity and me recognizing as a child when we first got the Olympics. Um, that opportunity is so right in the grasp of your hand. Like there's an experience of being not economically well off, but, but okay. But there's a kind of uh, a lackadaisical nature to the way you can move in the South. It's comfortable. <laughs> it's, it is real comfortable. But there was a jolt with that. There's a jolt that comes. And so when you read about John Wesley, when you read about Wesley, not even John Wesley Dobbs, when you read about Wesley, the, the, the enslaved great, great, great grandfather, right? You go, oh man, okay. You know, and I, I, and I, I'm, I don't have my lineage as like, you know, checking off all the boxes the way that this, um, that this text allows for their family or for the, the, the Allens, right? Like when you know where you come from, Oh my God, like how, how much that does for you. Uh, it, and it just, it allowed me to feel that much more connected. Um, it felt like well, these are people just like me. And these are people just like the folks that I come from. 
Um, uh, and it might be different. It's different because they know who their white ancestor is. And they, you, you know where, you know, there's a, there's such a deep connection and a, a, you can, you, a lore that happens when you know who your people are. Um, and, and, and a, a deep valuation, a deep internal, like self love or just a pride. Um, that's when you see it in other people, when you see it in people who have helped to lead you what happens to you what has happened to your family that's you know city leadership like that that just gives it a different connectivity um it also lets you understand that okay ours is different because my people don't come from atlanta they come from athens clark county georgia which is you know that's uga country right um but i know oh well they didn't they weren't here at first right they're people we're from Kennesaw. Okay, well, everybody's trekking into Atlanta to find some sense of uh, newness, to find some sense of um, prosperity, and and that just it just it just it just takes away the hierarchy and makes everybody human to look at that story and appreciate. Um, Everybody having a track, their own track, and yet a similar track, coming from coming from places where they weren't able to actualize themselves in the way that they fully wanted to be, and they can uh, begin anew with their family. And I feel like I am a child of someone who came to Atlanta to to make anew. And did they do that? Yeah, I feel like they did because I am a privileged person, a privileged black person who went to Spelman, who has had opportunities. And that that feels good, but I don't. The difference is, I remember old in the midst of trying to make my new. Thank you to Danielle Deadweiler for that perspective. Thank you to Marcy Bruffel of Historic Oakland Foundation. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Atlanta Legacy Makers podcast. And I hope you're enjoying the book, Where Peachtree Meets Sweet Auburn. Part three is in the books, pun intended, and part four is on the way, entitled Segregated City. So let's keep reading and we'll talk about it in the next episode. Until then, I'm Floyd Hall, and forever, I love Atlanta. Atlanta Legacy Makers is an initiative led by Central Atlanta Progress and the City of Atlanta. Special thanks to author Gary M. Pomerantz, lecturer at Stanford University in the graduate program in journalism. We heard Gary at the very beginning of this episode talking about some of the backstory of writing where Peachtree meets Sweet Auburn. And we're thankful and thrilled to have Gary's perspective throughout this project. 
Special thanks to our amazing partners, Atlanta Downtown Improvement District, Atlanta Public Schools, Constellations, Gene Kansas Commercial Real Estate, the Ivan Allen College of Liberal Arts at Georgia Tech, One Atlanta, and Supporter Report. Atlanta Legacy Makers is hosted and produced by Floyd Hall. That's me. Music by Smith & Cash. Last but not least, thank you, Atlanta. <laughs>